After the players, it is the coaches and referees that garner most of the attention at a typical hockey game. When we take interest in the behavior of a coach or referee, what we're really doing is analyzing the decisions they make. On the referee's side, it's what calls were made, or perhaps more often, what calls were not made. Analysis of the coach relates most often to what players are on the ice, and when, and for how long. Why did they play him on the penalty kill? Shouldn't they be pulling the goalie? Coaches and referees play an integral role in the game as we know it, and even more so in minor hockey. The decisions, attitude, and performance of coaches and referees can influence in a major way the growth and development of the kids involved in the game. In this episode, we're going to do a deep dive into the life, role, and effect that coaches can have in minor hockey. There are many reasons individuals get involved in coaching any sport. I personally like my friend Dean McLean's explanation, which is probably very similar to my own. You're at the rink anyway, so you might as well you might as well be involved as opposed to sitting on your butt and <laughs> coaching from the stands, which a lot of people do. And uh, and you know, and I even do that still, just like with other sports. So I said it's easy to sit back and complain, but when you're the head coach or a coach, uh, it's not so easy. But it's fun. It's fun. I guess that's the long and short of why I keep doing it. It's just fun. I enjoy it. I got involved in coaching early with my oldest son, Malcolm. When I think about this now, it was mostly out of necessity rather than a particular interest. Malcolm at the time was a pretty shy young boy who was often anxious about new situations. I believe being present with him on the ice helped him ultimately feel comfortable in embracing the game that he still loves to this day. As a typical dad, I started off to what we refer to as a helper. Helpers start off by following the head coach's lead, and most often, especially at the younger ages, spend most of the time helping pick kids up off the ice after they've fallen. I still remember sitting in an audience of eager parents attending a mandatory coaching training. Most of the individuals in the audience, including myself, were there because it was a requirement for any on-ice helpers. The trainer addressed the audience and told us that although at this time we believed that our role would simply continue on to be helpers, at some point, many of us would be asked to step up and fill the role of a head coach. I left along with everyone else and thought to myself, no way, not this guy. Two years later, I was the head coach of Malcolm's team and continued to be involved 12 years later. Besides the number one benefit of spending time with my boys and being involved in a game that I love, my favorite thing about coaching hockey is meeting other individuals, developing friendships, and learning about the art of coaching. I'm sure I've learned more in the past 12 years than I've taught. I've learned about skating techniques, new ways to shoot the puck, hockey strategy, and coaching philosophies. The variety of styles of coaching vary as much as the kids that are being taught. But the good coaches always share a particular commonality I've noticed. They truly care about the kids. So I guess I could say that I've been involved in coaching, just in general, for about probably 30 years and first got involved with coaching with my own kids when they had started minor hockey. And so started with all of them at IP and kind of ran the gamut through them all until probably the end of Pee Wee, I think is kind of when I cut the cord from all of them. And uh, and I just wanted to make sure that they had a positive experience in those first several years of, of growing, growing through the game and growing with the game. That is Derek McCollum. He's a friend that I met first in coaching Malcolm at the Adam level. Derek coached both Malcolm and my middle son, Morgan, and I think both boys would still count Derek as one of their top coaches they've had. 
Derek is a well-respected teacher and has an impressive hockey mind. He's able to bring teaching philosophies, approach to discipline, and a love for the game to the rink, and he always impressed both the kids and the parents involved in his teams. For me, it was always Derek's perspective on the game that I appreciated, especially when it came to his ideas about the importance of winning. Sometimes I think people look at winning as as one thing, and that's maybe an end on a scoreboard, what was the final at the end of the game. And, and it really doesn't matter what the sport is, as, as I'd mentioned doesn't matter whether you're in a hockey rink, whether you're on a soccer field, whether you're in a gymnasium, whether it's basketball. There is a culture of winning and expectation of winning. And people, and I, I think sometimes we may need to take a step back, look at that word winning and rebrand it as what does success mean? What is success for the kids? And I, and I think that comes back to if kids learn to compete, you know, learn to, you know, learn the technical skill of the game, the tactics of the game. If we're seeing improvement in the kids at the end of the season, then success has been met. And therefore, I think we need to look at that as that's a win, whether whether we see it as a win on a scoreboard, whether we see it as a win with a medal or a trophy. Ultimately, that's that's the goal for the kids, improving and moving on to that next level. If you are even peripherally involved in minor hockey, you know that Derek's forward-thinking approach is not universally shared. There's not a hockey season that goes by without a coach or a coaching staff getting in trouble for pursuing winning at all costs. This often involves shortening the bench in which particular kids with certain skill sets are played more often. This could take the form of longer shifts, more time on the power play or penalty kill, or perhaps being double shifted. Coaches can pursue the ultimate goal of winning in other more subtle ways as well. I've seen coaches put a significant amount of pressure on young referees in an attempt to influence their calls and have even seen coaching techniques that could be considered questionable, such as having a particular player on their team shadow the opposing team's best player in a tactic reminiscent of the 1980s NHL. I cannot remember a specific time when these types of coaching tactics were the deciding factor in whether or not a team won a game or had success across an entire season. I suspect the downsides of such approaches can be insidious and not insignificant. I'm a pretty competitive person by nature, and sometimes that's one of those things you need to keep in check. The kids will always look to you for guidance, leadership, and how is my coach reacting in this situation? Well, that sets up an opening for me to act a a certain way as well, too. And and sometimes uh, that's a difficult thing to carry on your shoulders, too, as a coach, knowing that it's not just simply about a scoreboard. It's, there's, there's a bigger world out there. When I think about the experiences I've had and the people I have encountered in minor hockey, I don't think I've learned more than from my buddy, Dean McLean. Dean comes from a hockey family from the Miramichi in New Brunswick. I have three brothers, uh, a brother who's six years older than me, a brother that's four years older than me, and then I have a twin brother, so 15 minutes older. Uh, so four boys, and my dad was he—he he was a fairly decent hockey player in his day. He played for U- University of New Brunswick, and uh, when he graduated and settled down in Miramichi, he continued to coach even before he had kids, and he coached all the way through. And then when our, when we got to that age of playing hockey, my older brother he coached all of us all the way through. And uh, so, you know, it starts with him. My mother is was highly involved, too. Like, she'd, she'd be the manager, and she'd organize tournaments and, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, it was just 
It's what we did. And the four boys, we all played hockey. Dean's dad was recently posthumously inducted into the Provincial Sports Hall of Fame. His brother was a former captain of the UNB Reds University hockey team, and his older brother is an instructor at the Notre Dame Hockey Factory in Saskatchewan. So it's interesting that all of you have sort of continued on, you know, beyond your own hockey careers right. as well. And, yeah. uh, and, and do you think that, that coaching, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned your kids, but does it all stem from your dad, do you think? Oh, no doubt about it. Dean first got involved in minor hockey as an on-ice helper, then migrated into managing minor hockey teams. The manager of youth sports is a critical role. You will often hear at the start of a season, somewhat tongue-in-cheek, the parents don't care so much about who the coach is, but rather who is the team manager. A well-organized manager who communicates clearly can be the difference between a very successful versus a very disappointing season. Managers organize the finances, arrange tournament entry, determine team apparel, organize fittings and orders, and ultimately, and most importantly, communicates with the parents. There was no one better than Dean, and parents year over year hoped that he would end up on their team. Dean's love for the game and his enjoyment of interacting with the kids eventually led him to migrate onto the bench, and for the last two years, he's been the head coach of a midget select team in southern New Brunswick. In his first year, his team won a provincial championship. In my opinion, over the last 15 years, Dean would rank as one of the most successful coaches in our minor hockey association. I know I would not be the only one with this opinion. What is interesting to note is that Dean would never consider himself a brilliant hockey strategist or hockey talent. Growing up, he never played high-level hockey. Although he loved the game, he was never a day-and-night student of drills and skills, and he certainly was never a win-at-all-costs, hard-nosed coach. Dean recognized something more important to the success of a hockey season for the kids and the parents. This is something I suspect he took from his dad. If it's not fun, don't do it. If you're not having fun, don't do it. Dean recognized it is about the experience the kids have during the season, not about the wins and losses and hockey development. Dean would start the season with ensuring name bars were sewed to the back of the kids' jerseys and had them hung up in the dressing room for the first game, NHL style. I like Dean's analysis of the traps we can fall into when all we focus on is hockey development and getting to the next level. And it's really a lot of focused on the development and getting your kid to the next level you know, trying to get them to that ultimate level, which would be junior or whatever, right? And that starts at a really early age, that focus on, that drive on. It's always the next year. Like what you're doing this year is to get you to what you're going to do next year. And I always thought that they kind of got, the experience kind of got lost on in the moment, right? Like you're you're always focused on what's going to happen next year and you're not focused on what's happening now. And and I kind of joke, I said, this is their NHL. Like this is, for these kids, most of these kids, especially at that A or B or house league level, like this this is the only time in their lives where they're going to be, have a team that travels, that plays together on a weekly basis, and they have matching jerseys and socks and and jackets, like this kind of stuff. Like this is their NHL. This is the experience, right? And so this is the moment, because when they graduate, that's, they're never going to have that again. The team always had a motto, and this ideal was revisited throughout the year, especially prior to those important games. Heart, Hustle, Hawks was one of my favorites. The end of the season always included a postseason party, often a low-key street hockey game, 
and everyone waited for the reciting of the poem that Dean would write for the team. This poem highlighted season experiences, and most often, individual child's accomplishments, whether it be on or off the ice. And you look back and you ask, I hope that you ask some of those kids that played on our teams, they remember the, they won't remember the wins or the losses, but they'll remember that experience. Like, you know, that was a great team. We did a lot that year. We had so much fun and, you know, it's a great experience. The coaches that have made the biggest impact on my boys seem to share similar philosophies at their core that go beyond hockey strategy, development metrics, or organizational structures. They want to provide a positive experience that the kids will take with them as they get older, perhaps as they take on coaching responsibilities of their own. Derek McCullough said something interesting to me that I will not forget. There's one thing that I, I remember saying to myself early on when I started coaching and, you know, how do these kids remember us as coaches? Right. And, uh, and I always said, you know, 15 years down the road, if I'm walking through the mall and this kid's walking through the mall with their friend, how do they see me? Do they wave? Do they come over and say hi and, and see what's going on, giving me a chance to stop them and talk with them and ask what's going on in their lives? Or do they turn to their friend and say, he's the reason I quit this sport? <laughs> That's right. I have kept this idea in the back of my head, and I hope that I can keep my head high when I see and interact with kids that I've coached with over the years. I know Dean McLean and Derek McCullum will never have to worry about the impact that they have had on any of the kids that they've been involved with over the years. I'm sure that I did not appreciate the impacts coaches have on kids when I first started, nor do I suspect the average coach has it front of mind early on. I think that these critical ideals take a backseat to the complexity of a hockey season nowadays. Track suits, team budgets, tournament entry, and the need for development. If our concentration continues to be on how to run an efficient practice and come out on the top of the wins column, we risk crossing the line and ultimately providing the type of experience that, quite frankly, the kids are not after. I asked Dean where he thought coaches could go wrong, and he was quick with his answer. It's, it's easy. It's winning. Winning is the ultimate. If you don't win, you have not, you've, it has not been a successful season. Everything, everything is measured on wins and losses and it's, it's crazy. And you see it, it's worse at the younger levels. I find the Adam and Pee Wee groups are, you know, because they're still new to the program and and those coaches are, most of them are new to coaching at a higher level or a competitive level. And they're hyper-focused on the winning. And not only that, but winning at whatever cost. So winning means I'm going to double shift my three best players and, you know, my weaker players are going to see the ice once or twice a game or something like that. And it, it, it happens. It still happens. And it's, I don't know if there's a way to fix it, but it's a huge problem. It's so unfortunate. What do you think the consequences of that are? Big picture stuff. Kids stop playing, stop wanting to play. They, they go back to what my father said. If you're not having fun, why are you doing it? As we come to the end, I, I want to try to remind you, and I'm hoping that you're going to come up with it. You told me one time that in order to be a coach coming into the rink, you had to check something at the door. <laughs> can you uh, can you yeah. uh, remind me what that was and your your sort of thoughts and philosophy behind that. Yeah, and it's back to it's it's checking the ego at the door. And and the toughest thing sometimes is, as a coach and you know, and I've had I've had my moments too where 
unfortunately, I've had to check it on the drive home, <laughs> and I didn't check it at the door. And um, sometimes your competitive spirit will get the better of you. But but again, it's sometimes you need to be okay with walking out of the rink knowing that you lost a game, but you did the right thing. To finish out this episode, I want you to listen to one of Dean's poems from a number of years ago. I will not forget the look on the kids' faces as Dean addressed their particular contribution on and off the ice that year. Goalposts are red, the hard hat is too, a symbol of hustle, heart, and refusal to lose. This is the team who shared this vision, the best hockey season ever, that was their mission. Their very first game was at the Qplex, where Keegan McLean slammed four goals in the net. Not much for words, did his talking on the ice, never took one penalty, always so nice. Every team needs that defenseman who can score. That's Eric Irving, our Bobby Orr. Those end-to-end rushes his opponents would hate. You can still hear Martin say, Leggy, go for a skate. Always has a smile, never could be rude. A sniper, our go-to guy, our man Jude. Chasing the girls or chasing the pucks, Jude always found a way to make his own luck. Malcolm in the middle? No, he played on the wing. A positive attitude and leadership was his thing. Always there when you needed him. He kept the boys calm. Even in defeat, he was always strong. It was a snowy night in Hampton. Cohen's night to shine. He scored his first goal. It was the winner and it was fine. Gritty and tough, he would never back down. Even when St. Stephen rode into town. Our first medal of the season came at Christmas time. The Irving Oil Tourney, our boys, they did shine. One player stood out whose heart never tires. Who is that player? Number 10, Curtis Squires. A leader on the blue line and a great skater, the green mustache wearing Parker Frazier. He could shut him down and get fired up, got his first goal in St. Andrews, and he still has the puck. There was one player who could shoot to the heavens. A great little playmaker, his name was Evan. Always setting the boys up, he could make things happen. Almost took out the scoreboard twice that night in Hampton. I feel the need, the need for speed. A fast player every team needs to succeed. Always moving his feet, he never runs out of gas. Stu Hossack's his name, a.k.a. The Flash. A master chess player on and off the ice. Joshua McCormick made his opponents think twice. Outsmart, outwit, outhustle, outskate, always dependable. Checkmate. It was a matinee in Grand Bay versus the Lancaster Thunder, where one pair left that Thunder to wonder. Who was that big D-man who shut us down the whole game? He's one of the Twin Towers, Donnie Hawkins his name. We played some tough games that weekend in Petty. One player led the way. He was ready and steady. He's Ryan Pollard, the other twin tower. His legendary shots made all the goalies cower. He plays on the edge with determination and guts. Sometimes so much he could drive the coach nuts. But that passion and heart was something to behold. Every team wishes they had a player like Cole. A fine forward to start, a great D-man at the end. Talking about number four, Ethan Finnegan. He moved to the blue line and never looked back. Sweet hands and smart plays, always on the attack. 
A nose for the net always has the last word. Our leading scorer, Mr. Tyler Erb. With the game on his stick, he could never be caught. Always fooling those goalies with that quick shot. Last but not least, the puck stops here. The two goalies, who always gave us reason to cheer, they shared the load, carried the team on their backs. Thank you, Hunter and Ben, for keeping the team on the tracks. From the first drop of the puck until the finale in spring, the Hawks never gave up, always their best they did bring. Sometimes you win, sometimes you learn, but they'll always remember what it takes to earn the Red Heart Hat. There's hockey on TV, it's Saturday night At the rink across the road, they play under the lights Come wintertime, it's the game that we love I just play for fun, but there's hockey in my blood Down to the rink, to the pond, to the river There's a game going on, going on Thank you for listening to Going to the Show. If you have comments about what you have heard, stories you would like to share, or ideas about future episodes, please feel free to contact me via the email address goingtotheshowpod at gmail.com.